Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, March 17th, 2018. That means it's St. Patrick's Day. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And this is the day where white people all over the country who are not even of Irish descent use it as an excuse <laughs> to drink excessively to the point where their lives could be in danger. Big weekend for DUI lawyers. Yep. And bars and purveyors of cheap beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will be out playing a show tonight. Yes. Playing goth music. No green anywhere to be found. Goth music in the suburb, <laughs> in the suburbs, for drunk white people who probably want to hear Dropkick Murphys, but instead they're going to hear more Joy Division-like sounding music. Yes. So we're going to see how that goes over. Uh, I'll let you know <laughs> if I survive. Yeah. And uh, I will not be drinking excessively. No. I will use my two drink tickets, and that's it. <laughs> Namely, because I will be driving. Yes. And the cops are going to be all over the place because, oh, this is a big weekend for them. They're yes. so excited. They are. So all excited. The DUIs. All the DUIs. All the DUIs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hopefully, it's a big weekend for Lyft and Uber drivers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Um, anyway, all that aside, uh, <clears throat> oh boy, was it a big week. There is literally no chance we're going to cover. Everything that happened this week, no. the impracticality of this being a weekly podcast is starting to <laughs> reveal itself. Unfortunately, yeah. we can't do this for a living yeah. and we have so much other stuff going on in our lives that we would love to do this more than once a week. But uh, until somebody starts paying us to do it, it's yeah. just not a reality. Nope. Saturday so, mornings. So <laughs> you're getting very, you get 90 minutes of condensed <laughs> news of the week. And I'm very sorry if we don't get to the topic you wanted to hear us talk about. I'm thinking on weeks like this, Friday night, we should put up a Twitter poll and be and like just be like, pick the top four things right. that you want to hear about. Seriously. Because we don't know where to start. Yeah. But I kind of know where I want to start. Did you have an idea? I want to try to sort of go chron chronologically. Okay. So let's start with Tillerson. Oh, God. Was that this week? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Tillerson okay. is out at state. Uh... As Kegro likes to say, wrecks everything Tillerson. Um, <laughs> supposedly, if you believe John Kelly, told while he was on the crapper. Yeah. Um, suffering from a bout of bad Ethiopian food from his African trip. Uh, I don't know if I believe that or if that's relevant, but the fact that John Kelly wanted to say that publicly is really bizarre. Yes. I didn't hear that. That's 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 too much information for me. I don't need to know that. Yeah, no, he made it a point to say that. Like he's just he's basically just embodying Trump at this point, as Kelly, which is probably why he kept his job because it was rumors he'd be out too this week, but he's not for the time being. And yeah, Tillerson is out at state. Uh, not a whole lot of evidence. He did a whole lot. No, I, I think he sort of at least had a vague idea of what state is supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, he's like an oil exec, so... He's an oil exec that has never held any public office or worked in any right. capacity in public interest whatsoever. He's just a rich oil guy who had a lot of business ties with Russia. And it was just revealed last week, which everybody forgets, that he was kind of... He got the okay from the Kremlin when they said no to Romney, who was too tough on Russia, supposedly. Right. Well, and then <clears throat> immediately preceding his firing... He was a little tough on Russia. He said some things. Yeah. And that everybody was like, oh, well, that must be, I mean, obvious. that's probably why. Yeah. Um, 
so interesting. I think he's pretty much garbage. So I, well, right. There's been a know. lot of like sympathy for Tillerson pieces, and I'm like, yeah, the the guy who has a giant pillow of cash to fall on that's helped wrecked our uh, helped wreck our environment and our climate. Right. And we're gonna. Okay. <laughs> feel sorry for him now. I mean, he's not as bad as Trump, but that's not in a bar some, that in I some ways, judge kinda. things by. And I, I'm glad he's not going to well, be the secretary he, he, of state. He's only not as bad in Trump in the sense that you, you get the feeling he sort of try. He had an idea of what a secretary of state is supposed to do, and was kind of more or less aimed to sort of do that. Except he didn't staff state. Yes, and he didn't. You know, he didn't forcefully. Uh, pursue American interests in spite of Trump. He did it so, sort of sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, I'm not a big Tillerson fan, and no. I'm not sad to see him go other than now he's being replaced by an awful garbage person. Who is it going to be, do you think? Uh, it's going to be Pompeo. Oh, that's right. Right, 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 right. Pompeo, who is a crazy right-wing lunatic yes. awful garbage right subhuman piece of crap he is however very very smart and very educated yeah uh, which is more dangerous in many ways right so, then, so there's that there's there's your shuffle right. in the deck and then the new head of the cia will be this woman um a career cia woman I forget her name gina. gina something yeah um there was some controversy about her i won't get into it too much because i don't know all the details but she was involved in destroying some evidence of uh, rendition and black site torture post 9-11. Yeah. Now, I think ProPublica launched an article where they got some of the facts of that wrong, but the facts that were not wrong are that she was involved in destroying of evidence that had to do with torture and rendition at black sites. I think they just got the particular black site and place wrong. Right. And there was some confusion about that. Yeah. So there's that. So she's a pro-torture person. She's a pro-torture person, but she's yeah. very qualified. Yes, very. She understands how the CIA works very well. She's worked yeah. there for decades. Although you could reasonably argue because she's pro-torture, she's not qualified. But right. we understand that that whole rubric has changed yes. since the Bush administration in the post-9-11 world, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, remember, I, we're not fans of, of the old uh, intelligence apparatus and deep states just because they're at loggerheads with Trump right now. We right. We, we have not converted <laughs> to say, oh, good, FBI and CIA and, you know, all these extra judicial Geneva Convention violating things we do are good. No, 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 no. Not even remotely at all. Yeah. Um, I, it's this thing I, called nuance. I folks. do think that the CIA is important. And I'm glad in some way that some that it's not like, you know, Trump's cousin is going to go run it like it's someone uh, who yeah. knows how it works. I'm I, the bar has been lowered to such a point that like just basic functionality of these agencies and of our government is all we can hope for. Well, that's just so, the intelligence agency. State right. is still not staffed and no, we still have so tons of ambassadorships dangerous. open and it's not covered enough. Yes. But anyway, uh, we can't we can't dwell on that too long because <laughs> we have we have too much uh, to get to. So uh, are we moving on from Tillerson, or yeah. do you have anything to add about no. that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> next, there was a big election in Pennsylvania. Yeah, big only in the sense of of symbolism because it's in a district that is literally not going to exist come November. Right. So the Republicans drew the districts in Pennsylvania and. Uh, 
they got sued because they were so fucking gerrymandered. They were so obviously comically gerrymandered. Yes. That even very Republican circuit judges yeah. <laughs> had to say, you can't, no. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. So they lost um, the Republicans. Not they, for lack of trying and yeah, appealing they took and it all the way. to uh, impeach all the judges yeah. and all the sorts of crazy shenanigans. But ultimately they lost and yes. they're pretty much out of options now. Yeah. So they're going to have to redraw the map. And the district that he... Well, the map has been redrawn. Has been redrawn. Yeah. So, yeah. So that district doesn't exist anymore. Well, it won't, won't exist. in 2018. In 2018. In, as of November. As of November. Right. Or No, I think... Uh, no, the, the election for it will be in November. It won't exist as of January 1st, 2019. I think I may be getting this wrong. If I am, I'm so sorry. But anyway... The Democrats ran a kind of left of center, centerish, typical, you know, Midwesternish Rust Belt Democrat, and the Republicans ran a typical sort of garbage Republican guy. And this is a district that went because mostly because of gerrymandering, plus twenty for Trump yes. in twenty sixteen. Yes, and it was Rick Saccone versus a guy named Connor Lamb, and Lamb won. Yes, very close contest. We stayed up late into the night yeah. to see the. It was literally decided by like five hundred votes at the end of the day out yeah. of like two hundred thousand cast, which amazing. is as close as it gets. Every vote counts. We can't. Like I, I hope to God the age of like well whatever my vote doesn't matter is. Done. You thought it would be done after Bush v. Gore. Amazingly, somehow it wasn't. Right. And now there's another reminder. Like, yeah, every freaking vote counts, dude. Like, 500 votes is literally like one canvasser's like work. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And it was just really unexpected. We're in that age of, you know, if we even come within 10 points or five points of winning, even if we lose by four points or you know 10 points that's still a huge gain for democrats and he fucking won yeah he won yeah he won and again again, i just insane i just i want to harp on the closeness again like let's like think of the numbers here right like if one or two canvassers and maybe it's more like four four or five but if a few canvassers had just been like oh screw it or the or the lamb campaign said we don't want to spend money on any more canvassers or we're going to cut canvassing short that probably would have lost the election for them yeah and the thing about him that we have to remember is he's a good candidate. Like he really was a good candidate. He's well, well spoken and year. he's um <clears throat> Yeah, he's a good he's a he's a good guy. Uh, I watched him do his little victory speech um even before the networks had called it, which I thought was adorable. Uh and then everyone was like, Oh, it's terrible. He shouldn't have done that. It's like, shut up. Um <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really liked him. I really thought he like, and that's some of the things that people on the ground in the state said was it wasn't just a vote against Trump. You have to get good people to run yeah, to yeah. win. Of course. And they did. Of course. Common sense. Right. The, here's the, and now the Republican spin was actually pretty uh, funny. Yeah. Um, this is obviously an embarrassing, frightening, terrifying, devastating loss for them. Yeah. So their spin was, oh, well, he ran as a Republican. That's that not only is a fun, of course, that idiot Brian Williams parroted it the next night. God. But he, first no, of all, he didn't. No, well, first of all, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> he is pro choice, although he says he personally doesn't like abortion. He's pro choice. He is, is pro common sense for gun protecting control. the rights of women to have control over their bodies. Yeah, un- unambiguous. And we cannot give him shit for that. That's fine. I don't give a shit how you feel about abortion. That doesn't mean I don't care. As long as you but that, but vow to yeah. protect my right to choose, I don't care how you feel about it personally. But here's 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 the thing that bugs me. 
that is not a new position. No, that actually that used to kind of be the default Democratic yes. position, and it is still the position of Democrats in Catholic areas, in purplish areas, or I who think, are Catholic I think themselves. Hillary Clinton said the same thing in 08. <laughs> I'm right. pretty sure that's kind of what she said. So who cares about that? Uh, he's pro-choice yes. as far as the law goes. Yes. And he is pro-common sense gun control and reform, even though he did a gross commercial with an AR-15. Um, he is anti the Trump tax bill. He is pro ACA. Like, holy shit. If that is the new quote Republican standard, then great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great. Guys, um, Democrats. He's uh, pro union. He worked, uh, in the unions. Yeah. Union vote union helped a lot. Union vote was, is also critical, um, in that part of Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, he's a Democrat. <laughs> he's yeah. not Bernie Sanders, but he's a Democrat. Yeah. He's a Democrat. And uh-huh. you know, it's even it's really funny when you hear Paul Ryan say that crap when all the ads leading up to it were like, he's a flaming wild eyed liberal. He's yeah. the love child of Jerry Brown and Nancy Pelosi. He wants to take <laughs> your guns and let the black people run wild. And, you know, all the shit they normally do. Yeah. And that didn't work. So then turn around. Oh, well, he was just a Republican. So and like, let's say for a second that was true, that it was a, a dino like. Well, then he still beat your actual Republican right. <laughs> who Trump actually stumped for. Yeah. So it doesn't help no matter how no. you try to frame it. No. It's just it's funny. It's ridiculous. It didn't make us mad. It just made us laugh. Yes. Yeah. It's just stupid. So anyway, uh, but he'll be running in the new ungerrymandered district uh, and he'll probably win pretty easily. Yeah. If he could win in that one, you'd think that come November, unless he does something really stupid, he's going to win in that one. So. Yeah. And... Uh, it's got some congressional Republicans freaking the fuck out and they should be as they should. Yeah. They said there might be a new wave of resignations that hasn't happened yet, but I would expect more resignations. I would too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, next I want to talk about the student walkout. Yes, me too. I have a lot to say about this. I'm going to turn it over to you then. So these goddamn kids, I love them so much. Um, they, uh, all across the country, um, students organized themselves and organized a national walkout where they left their classrooms and protested in the streets for gun control um, and school safety. And they held signs and they marched and it was beautiful and lovely and wonderful. Here in Colorado, um, they marched to the Capitol. Um, there were some some backlash for that, which we'll get to, but it was really... Lovely and beautiful, and I, I commend them, and I think that they are the future is bright with these kids, um, and they're smart and they're eloquent and they're just they're they they're they're fucking mad, they're mad and they're scared and they're not going to take it anymore, and I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> that being said, um, there were a couple of schools that uh, one school in I want to say Virginia. Um, that used corporal punishment for the students who walked out, literally spanked them with a, like a, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> I didn't hear about this. Yeah, a, a paddle. A rod or a cane. A, pa- or... a paddle, I want to yeah. say. Two swats, which they happily took um, in order to be able to protest. And then there was another school, and I don't remember where, where they were not allowed to leave. They got locked in. I think they it was got locked in New York in. somewhere. Yep. And or... so they all took a knee. For 17 minutes to honor the 17 students who were murdered at Parkland. So then this other thing happened, and this hits close to home, and I want to talk about it for a minute. So 
this middle school teacher put this Facebook post up and he changed their sign. It said National Walkout and he scratched out out and put up. So National Walkout. Oh, right. This thing. And the idea here was students shouldn't walk out and protest. They should walk up to the weird kids in school. <laughs> the ones who don't have friends, the outcasts, the kids that are bullied, because those kids could be the next school shooter. Oh, boy. So the idea is don't bully. Great. Don't bully. I'm all about don't bully. Bullying is a huge problem. Yeah. Telling kids that the weird kid could maybe murder you so you should have lunch with him is not productive. No. At all. It is dangerous. You're just ostracizing those kids further now. Yes. It is dangerous, and it is also wildly inaccurate. I was one of the weird kids, okay? I hung out with the weird kids. Um, I had friends, and I wasn't really bullied that much. Um, called names and stuff, but not really. I, I didn't feel particularly bullied. Certainly some of my friends were. Dana certainly was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in high school when Columbine happened, and... The backlash from the administrators and the teachers to the weird kids because of this misconception about the two school shooters at Columbine was horrible and it was unfair. And the narrative that we were all told post Columbine was that Klebold and Harris were brutally bullied by the jocks at the Mm -hmm. school and they were the goth kids and they just couldn't take it anymore. And they lashed out and they, they shot the people who bullied them. This is what everyone was told. Oh, yeah, me too. Right. That's I this, read it and heard is, it a million yep, times. The narrative all the way up until 2004. In 2004, the New York Times and Slate uh, produced this investigative article about the Columbine shooters. And boy, did we get it wrong. They were not bullied at all. Um, Harris, in particular, Eric Harris, was a sadistic sociopath psychopath really um yeah he like he hurt animals or killed animals or something like that early on yeah he was he believed himself to be um far like sort of a nietzschean um superman far superior to all of these you know ant like uh mortals below him Mm. and taking of their lives he he even said like um They would make fun of other school shooters because they didn't go far enough. Mm -hmm. They didn't kill enough people, right? What he wanted to do was start shooting people and then have uh, bombs go off in the cafeteria, which they found numerous bombs in the cafeteria. And as the kids were leaving, fleeing the school, the idea was they would shoot them as they were coming out into the parking lot. And then after that was over and uh, help started to come and parents started to come, they had bombs in their cars so that they could kill all the police and parents and, and family members of the people that they had already killed. Yeah. This was their plan. Yeah. Now, fortunately, these kids did not feel bullied. They didn't no. feel insecure. They didn't feel like inferior in any way. Very much the opposite of that. They felt very much superior to these other students, to their peers. They didn't see them as peers. They saw them as as peons that yeah. were so easily killed they didn't care. Right. So this narrative that like the bullied kid is going to come shoot you is fucking bullshit and it's dangerous and it's not true. Well, let me let me back up. There have been instances where bullied kids did do school shootings. 
Like there was a kid, I want to say in Washington state a few years after Columbine, this like little skinny kid who got picked on a lot, who did show up with a handgun and, and I don't think he killed any of his classmates, but he, he shot several of them. Right. Yeah. So, okay, that's fine. But that's not the overwhelming majority of mass shooters is not people who feel inferior and picked on and small and that's just not how well, it works. Well, it certainly wasn't Nicholas Cruz from everything I'm understanding. No, no. Not to mention, um, I was reading this article in Wonkette and she said the same thing that I, I, can, I think is true. She said, I was bullied when I was a kid and if I had had access to a gun at that time, I did not because my parents didn't allow them, she said. If I had had access to a gun at that time, I would have been so much more likely to use it on myself than anyone else. Yeah. And that's absolutely accurate. And the point is, this whole idea of walk up is another way of saying we really don't want to do anything about gun control, so we're going to blame it on something else. We're going to find some other thing that can help instead of fucking gun control. And the point is, if these kids didn't have access so readily to guns, it's just fucking harder to shoot people, period. That's just the fucking facts. If you have guns laying around, that's the option. The option is there. Whether you use those guns to kill people or not, or yourself, studies show when guns are available, gun deaths are higher, whether they be suicide or murder, period. Yeah. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the kids at this point. Uh, one thing we should mention was that I guess we shouldn't be too surprised because it was just a couple years ago right here in Jefferson County where high school students made national news because the there was basically a hostile takeover of the Jefferson County School Board wherein they tried to literally whitewash all the history books yeah. and rewrite history to some extreme uh, right-wing evangelical uh, nonsense garbage uh, and to say things like slavery wasn't so bad yep. and some stuff about the civil war. And the students were like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to do that no. to our public education. No. And they led, they started to protest and march and stuff. And the immediate reaction was very much like it is now, like respect your elders. You don't know what you're talking about. You're dumb kids. And they were very eloquent and very smart and very driven and very persistent. And guess what? They they got that school board turned over. They initiated a recall. Yeah. And they recalled those members of the school board who had been instilled essentially by a Koch Brothers funded PAC mm-hmm. um, to do this. And they got them fucking recalled. Was it 2014, 2014? 2014, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. So, that, oh, yeah. So we, it was amazing. And it was high school kids. High school kids like came and kids. knocked on my door. Parents of kids came and knocked on my door to tell me about it. I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. I don't have kids in high school, so I had no idea. And I had just moved into this neighborhood. And I had just moved to Colorado. Yeah. And, and I think I wrote a blog post about it and it got a little bit of national coverage, but most people didn't really quite grasp the... I guess it wasn't as important or serious. People didn't deem it to be as at, that much at the time. Right. But it was a good preview of the fact that, hey, these kids are. Don't fuck with the know, kids. Yeah. No. Like, don't do it. <laughs> They're smart and they do, they know. Well, um, well, here's the thing, right? I, I forgot that and, and took it for granted. And maybe I didn't feel that way uh, necessarily. And then this is what was really heartening to me with this this week's walkout. Like you've, we've been hearing these Parkland kids talk and go on TV and they're so smart and they're savvy and they're mature and they're running circles around these pundits, even the quote yes. good ones yep. who are trying to treat them like kids. And 
they're now they're interviewing kids all over the country who are doing this. And I'm thinking, okay, is Parkland an anomaly? Are these kids just from these liberal politically active families and they're, you know, well-trained in this. And like all these kids are smart and driven and focused and know what they're talking about and know what they're doing. And guess what? Like, they are turning 18 within the next few months or yeah. the next year or two, the younger ones. One of the, this is the future. This is the voting future. Yeah. They are leading our party. They are leading our, our activism and they're amazing. There was a, a girl who was um, interviewed at the state Capitol mm-hmm. and she said, we, we want you to know that by the next election, all of us will be old enough to vote and we are coming for you. She literally said that to a reporter and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> a lot this of them is, are saying that. They yeah. understand. And the, you know, the other side, they they don't have any meaningful defense. They, they don't have anything to say to counter their debate, really. Some of them are trying. So the best they can do is shut up, you dumb kids. Respect your elders. That short hair girl looks like a lesbian, which is literally uh-huh. someone who was running for the main house. Someone and, called her a... a Lesbian skinhead. Yeah, he dropped out. Yes. Um, he got so much pushback, he actually dropped out, which was surprising. Yep. But and like, but that's all they got. That's all so, they have. Right. But the other thing is so amazing. that They're not just like, hey, we were white kids that this happened to. They decided to meet these Parkland survivors, met with Chicago students to tackle Mm -hmm. gun violence, quote, Mm -hmm. beyond gated communities. That's how intersectional these fucking kids are. They get it. Quote, Emma Gonzalez, quote, people of color in inner cities and everywhere have been dealing with this for a despicably long time. So they went and they met with these kids. And those who face, here's Emma Gonzalez again, quote, those who face gun violence on a level that we have only just glimpsed from our gated communities have never had their voices heard in their entire lives the way we have these last few weeks alone. The platform us Parkland students have established is to be shared with every person, black or white, gay or straight, religious or not, who has experienced gun violence and hand in hand, side by side, we will make this change together. Mm-hmm. It's goosebump giving. I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, and they managed to talk about violence in areas, in inner city areas, without being racist and wrong and making assumptions. They just went and talked to the kids and said, we want to help you, too. And let's I mean, it's, people that are elected to Congress can't even manage that. The, yeah. the supposed leaders of our party can't even manage that. And these 16 and 17 year old kids nailed it. You know, I got to say that. um I can't say this about my generation. Uh-uh. I mean, granted, there was, you know, it was the it was my time when this was like the early Clinton years and the economy was pretty good and there was maybe a looming war in Kosovo. Yep. But like other than that, it, it wasn't this kind of environment. But like I think of my generation, you know, this age getting ready to graduate high school. And I remember like laying by the pool and listening to Beck and smoking <laughs> pot and yeah, I had, I certainly had strong political views, but I couldn't say I was active or my friends were super active yeah. in things. And it's like, wow, okay. It's the, the gradient curve is, is going up Yes, in, in terms I of mean, what these kids are doing. And they've think, been forced to granted. Yes. And you got to think these kids grew up under Obama. They were nine or 10, eight, nine, 10 when Obama became the president. 
So they got to see, first of all, that like hope change stuff. Then they just lived under Obama and it was really great. And mm-hmm. I think probably the trauma of Trump was like, what the fuck? Right. Just like the Part rest of, of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they also grew up on Obama and he inspired young people and got people to be active and, and campaign for him. And I think growing up looking at those campaigns and how much he involved young people made them maybe understand that they had a voice in politics in a way that I don't think maybe you and I experienced growing up, right? Yeah. yeah young people yeah. weren't involved in politics. Like leaders, presidential candidates didn't, you know, coalesce giant, uh, you know, crowds of young people to go canvas and do social media. They just didn't give a shit about it. Not us. very often. No, and so these kids, no. I think, grew up in this in this era where they felt empowered politically. And yeah. I think that's showing, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, the culture war stuff is finally really working against the powers that be uh, because. You know, it's one thing if you want to debate the economic, the trickle down economics Mm -hmm. and the military industrial complex. But the reason Trump won and the reason that Republicans were able to dominate and take over all the state houses and the Congress and get the presidency was the the, the angry white people coalesced because of the culture wars. The problem is they're older and they're white and we are we are going the other way. The younger generation does not care. They're, they're the complete opposite. Yes. They are, they are for equality. They are for LGBTQ equality. They are yes. pro immigration. They, you know, they, they just, they, they fundamentally disagree with all this stuff. Yes. So y- it's just going the wrong way for them. Now, you know, it, it, we have to follow up. We have to organize. We have to, you know, uh, there is a pending war on the left. We still have a lot of stalwart holdouts who want to destroy the Democratic Party and don't believe in the two-party system. You know, and that's okay. I think we can weather that and and try to figure it out going forward. But the momentum for the, the parties and all that shit aside, the momentum for rejecting the the white straight hegemony, yeah, is you know. It, that that is a that is a dying cause. Yes, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's true. I mean, every generation is always a little more liberal than the last. But these kids are like fiercely. They don't give like. Ima- well, it's what's. Let me let me put. <laughs> there it this isn't way. like half of them are for LGBT rights and half of them aren't, or half of them think that women should that they're feminists and half it's not even close. Right. Like they are fiercely left leaning. Well, it's not just that they're left leaning. Uh, that's great that they're left leaning. Uh, Occupy Wall Street people were also sure left leaning. And here's the problem with that. Right. And I, I, I heard anecdotes like this from pretty much every city. What that was, that was 2010, 11, 10, 12. Yeah. Um, and I was in San Antonio, Texas. And so we did our own Occupy in San Antonio, Texas. And, I was like, this is great. I'm going to go see what this was all about. And, and I walked into a big fucking uh, hipster pot party. Yeah. And nobody was talking like these kids. Nobody was talking about action. It was it was drum circles and, yep. and kumbaya and let's dance and have a party. And a little bit of that is fine as part of the movement, but that's all it was. It, right. it, it was an excuse to have a a a drug field hipster party, it, it kind of made Andrew Breitbart look correct. 
And I was really, really, really put off by that. Yeah. I said, this, this is not activism. This is not effective. The original Occupy Wall Street was pretty good yeah. and had some good ideas and had some momentum. And then it, then it like evolved into like a pseudo burning man. Yes. And, and the biggest problem and, that and they had that was that there was no strong, clear call to action. What do you want? Like, what is it that no, you're asking for? It was that, what so- is it it was that, that South Park for? episode, right? Yeah. Where they're at the concert and like, man, we got to take down the corporations. And Stan's like, how do we do that? Well, I don't know. Let's smoke pot. And it's like, yeah. that's I, that's unfortunately what it was. Now, like if I'm speaking at a turn and people have very different experiences with the Occupy things, and I know out of Occupy, like some good things did get organized and developed and, and I'm not trying to not make a blanket statement. But what I'm saying is when I see these kids and what has happened already in their organization and their they have their message their message and their talking points like lined up and ready and 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 ready for action and ready to go it just feels way different to it me. does they're better at talking points than the democratic party yeah i mean they That's have so a message better. they have a message everyone's staying on message they repeat that message every time they go on tv they're consistent with what what it is they're organized they're i mean it's <laughs> I love them. Come, come be part of, come save the party. <laughs> well, they're going to have to <laughs> come save us because our generation and the 20 somethings are going in a weird, different direction. Yeah. Right. Where they're like, give us purity or give us fascism. Right. Some of them, not all, not. but some anyway. Um, well, here's another thing, right? They're not, they're not de- like, here's the thing about the democratic party, at least up until this point, if, if there's one overarching thing, it's, terrified of pissing off the right. Yes. These kids do not give a fuck. No, they do not. They are not cowed. They are not They're not scared of the fucking NRA. They're not scared. They don't give a shit about how much power they have or anything else. They don't care. No. They don't care how many mean things are said about them on Twitter because they lose very badly when these conservatives try to take these kids on on social media. (laughs) That is is bringing a toothpick to a knife fight. It is not going well for them. Nope. Uh, and they just, they just, they just don't care. They don't have those same saying hangups as, you know, Tom Perez and company are probably still very much ingrained in the old, Oh, don't piss off the white people in the Rust Belt. We need them. They, the kids it's, don't give a fuck. Kids they don't say, care. this is, this is our platform. Yeah. And you can get along board with it cause it makes sense. Yeah. And period. when the, when the other part, the other side can only fight back with, Shut up, you dumb kids, and you 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 look like a lesbian. Snowflakes. And yeah, it's like no, that's okay. Well, they're winning. I, yeah, so. they're winning easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not even close. No, yeah. Anyway, so, so much so more great. to uh, to talk about. Yes. Um. <laughs> so what happened next? I think we're on like Tuesday afternoon at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You want to get into Stormy Daniels? Oh, God, it's a no, lot. I, God, that was a terrible choice of words. I'm right. so sorry. No, thanks. I'll pass. Uh, um, I, yes. So, gosh. Lots of new revelations in the Stormy Daniels controversy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, I don't know the exact timeline because it's all happened in like a matter of a couple of days. But the facts are basically that... Um, well, she was already suing him last week, right? We talked about that. So as part of the NDA that she was supposed to, that she signed um, and that Trump's lawyer signed was that she was not allowed to talk about um, her affair with Trump and including like 
text messages and videos and um, images, which is a horrifying thought. Intellectual property. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's, that's shorthand for there are Trump dick pics out oh, there. God. Be ready for them. They will surface no, eventually. I can't. You um, don't have to look at them, babe. Okay. I don't want to read his sex. I can't do any of it. No. <laughs> it's to out, go back. it's like, out there. I'll have to go to daily therapy for Trump. will surface. Um, anyway, so she said, fuck that. I'm talking anyway. And now he's saying um, that she violated the NDA 20 times. And we talked about this last week that the NDA will probably be thrown out anyway because it's unreasonable. But um, yeah, this is pure intimidation. Right. So 20 times, which means that she owes Trump $20 million, according to him. For alleged for this is the fun part, though. For what? For <laughs> right. giving details of an affair that he says never that happened. he says never happened. Right. It's just so. it's so it's really bizarre and circular. But why don't you for the non-legal experts out there? Why? Why do you feel this whole countersuit? Basically, what it is, is very likely to just get tossed out. Because it's unreasonable. Okay, and explain why how why that is and how that works. Um, I and I'm not going to be able to use exactly the legal language because I wasn't ready for that question. But, um, yeah, but, but in, in contract in, in law, nutshell. in contract law, you know, you can write a contract that says anything, literally anything, um, and you can get somebody to sign it. But if the courts look at these contracts and if it seems really lopsided or unreasonable and there's a legal term for it that I can't remember but if it seems like that's ridiculous and that should never have been agreed to it's not legal so the fact that he paid her $130,000 which is not a lot of money and put in the contract that if she violates this every single time she violates it it's a million dollars that's going to that's going to be it's going to be thrown out a judge is going to look at that and say you paid her $130,000 to not talk. And now you want her to pay you 20 million because she did. That's that's so lopsided that I think any good judge uh, is going to look at it and go, no. Let, let me ask you this, because we have even locally here that we're going to get to at some point issues where we have NDAs based for harassment suits and things like that. Yeah. Like, is there legal parlance for, to just say... I don't, I'm a public figure and I don't want you to talk about this affair we had. So I'm going to draw up an NDA and pay you hush money for it. Like, is that even a thing that, Yeah. I guess you can do an NDA for anything. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, the other interesting part about her, um, her case is that she's claiming, um, that she was basically coerced and threatened into signing it. Well, right. So if that's the case, then it's automatically thrown out. She didn't sign it of her own volition and her own free will. Then it's, it's an invalid contract anyway. And now she wants to give the money back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little unclear to me based on these reports, whether the, the threats that they're alleging, and this is supposedly all going to come out in a 60 minutes interview a week from tomorrow. Okay. Um, but if those threats came before the NDA or after the NDA, I feel like they might've been after. Okay. So I don't know if that applies. I mean, Oh, he's totally screwed. If they have evidence of threats before she signed the NDA, yeah. you can't sign that under duress. Right. But I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I don't put anything past Cohen and Trump. No, I don't Cause either. they're mobsters. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. use mob tactics yes. in everything. Yes. And, uh, now she's saying her lawyer was on TV. Jake Tapper said, um, did any of these alleged affairs or you know instances happen while Trump was the president? And her lawyer said, yes. 
And he said, can you elaborate on that? And he said, no. no. So if that's true, I mean, I, I don't know. That's fucking crazy. Well, but if, well I, if, Mueller, if Mueller wants, and he's got bigger fish to fry, but he could do a Ken Starr. Yep. Get a grand jury and ask him about it. And he well, he won't. He'll just plead the fifth, probably. But I don't know. that's how they got Clinton. Yeah. Clinton walked in thinking he was going to be asked more stupid questions about Whitewater. And then they blindsided him with, oh, did you diddle your intern? And and he just kind of was like, no, uh, no. <laughs> and then the rest is history because <laughs> yep. she kept a stained dress. So, you know, I mean, I, he doesn't have to go that way, obviously. But um, the, the point is Stormy Daniels isn't going away. And I don't think this is going to end well for Trump or Cohen. I agree. It's, you know. It's kind of a started out to just like kind of a dumb story that I was like, okay, he banged up a porn star. Porn star I don't and care then his about stupid that. Stupid lawyer paid her hush money. Yeah. Okay. Very Trumpian. Yeah. Fine. I just, ugh, okay. Like it would have been a page six else. story if he wasn't president, right? Right. Right. Who cares? Uh, but it's it's blowing up, and I I I think it's trouble. I really do. I think it's trouble for Trump. I and Cohen. I do. I I don't know. Well, another wrinkle to it is that there have been rumors that up to six other women have contacted the lawyer, been like, hey, I got a bullshit NDA, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a busy man these days. Former race car driver, by the way. Yeah, that's what you said. The lawyer. Yeah. Former race car driver. I was driver. like, I thought I recognized his face very vaguely. He's a good looking guy. You know, he's like a, like a, like a TV lawyer look. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, and it's a weird transition. And I'm like, he sort of looks like a pro athlete. And I'm like, uh, although you could argue whether race car drivers are athletes, but I'm like, this guy looks kind of familiar. Like I've seen him on TV or something. And then like, yeah, they showed him like with his racing outfit and he looks exactly the same. And he was like a really good race car driver. He won a lot of races <laughs> and shit. And then he's like, he pivoted to law and now he's Which at the center weird. of one of the biggest cases in the world. And yeah. uh, he's a real renaissance man. I guess That's so. two interesting hats to wear. It is. It is. It is. Next tell me he's a surgeon. Right. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so stormy weather for the Trump White House <laughs> in many ways. Uh, keep your eye on that. And just before the break, I want to work in another thing. Um, Donald Trump Jr. is getting a divorce. I saw that. Uh, I didn't read much past that. Um, I don't know anything about her. Well, page six fucked it up really badly, uh, as they often do, because they're the goddamn New York Post. They're, they're a glorified tabloid. And they said that she hired a criminal defense attorney and every, that raised everybody's eyebrows, but it wasn't. It's a guy who does lots of civil cases and criminal cases. It's just a big hotshot New York lawyer. Okay. That she hired. So Is he a divorce whatever. lawyer? Um, he probably one of those guys that wears many hats. Okay. So, okay. You know, like high profile divorces and high profile lawsuits, you know, that kind of okay. deal. Yeah. Um, but so they got that wrong. And so that... It's the, the timing still is interesting and people think, is it related to Mueller? Is it related to he's in trouble and she wants to protect herself and her kids and her assets? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Or maybe she was just married to Donald Trump Jr. I, I mean, mean, I wouldn't want to do that. I would certainly want to get a divorce from him. Um, I wonder, because if she knows something, she's not required to testify against him because she's married to him. Right, no, no, there's she's spousal immunity. Well, they were married at the time. Okay, she, she doesn't right. have to testify against him. She could get spousal immunity and not have to, um, but only for the time when they were married. Uh, well, I'm sure in the Trump orbit, they're thinking this is really not a good time for the, for this. No, it does not. It's not. But 
you know, it would be like Ivanka and Jared got divorced, announced a divorce tomorrow. That would really raise <laughs> eyebrows, would it not? Uh, Trump Jr. and his wife, who his wife is not necessarily all that involved in politics, maybe not as much. But the the one thing I just wanted to point out was the right, like, you know, the left is responding with jokes and the some people on the right got very huffy about that and said, oh, how can you be so glib and making fun of this? The divorce is a devastating thing for families and kids, which they might have sort of a point there, except mm-hmm. for Donald Trump and some of these very same pundits were like very glib uh, on Twitter and in social media about celebrity divorces like Beyonce yeah. and yeah. somebody Brad else. And Angie yeah. And this, so yeah. like save us the fucking pearl clutching, please. Yep. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're only halfway through the week. <laughs> That passed. We have so much more to get to. We'll talk about the big news from last night. Yep. We'll talk about uh, Russia Poison Gate. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some other stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. back to Reverend Testimony. Uh, so got a lot more to talk about uh, the second half of the show. What did you want to start with? I think we should probably talk about FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. Okay, and yeah. And that, that happened. Right. There had been talk that he may get fired before, what, what was the date? when He his... announced his retirement would have been today. <laughs> yeah. And if he got fired before that, there's a chance he might not get his full pension Mm-hmm. Uh, they fired him 26 hours before he was slated to be to retire. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack in this story, and I think the media is getting a lot of it wrong. Okay. Uh, because they're just guessing a lot. But but go ahead and say what you're prepared to say and <laughs> want to talk about. Uh, just that that happened. Um, <laughs> so McCabe, let's he, let's get the timeline right. McCabe basically replaced Comey. When Comey got the boot back in April of last year. But he's the deputy director, not the director. Right. Uh, Christopher Ray is the director. No, I think, no, I think McCabe is the director. He's the deputy director. Okay. Which is not, um, it's a civil service position, right? It's not an appointed position. Correct. So he has to have 
cause. Correct. To be fired. Right. It's not serving at the pleasure of the president. No. So, um, so the the reason that was given, Red, Red, Rod Rosenstein fired him, and the reason that was given for the firing was that he... No, Sessions fired him. Okay. Was that he um, didn't... He improperly leaked information on the Clinton uh, Foundation investigation to a Wall Street Journal reporter. And then that's the reason that was given. And and that's the office of professional responsibility is like their HR department. That's the reason that they said, okay, that's good enough. He can be fired for cause. Well, no, it was more than that. It was that he leaked this information. And then when asked about it, wasn't candid enough on multiple occasions is what Sessions just said in a letter. He just released like within the hour. Okay. Okay. So that's the reason he gave that is okay. Great. And then what did the president say? And the president is now rage tweeting about McCabe and Comey. Yeah. Saying like, oh, thank God, you know, he was so corrupt and uh, him and Comey, Comey makes him look like a choir boy, which doesn't make any sense. He's a, he's all over the place. He's a mess. But no, he's this is all happening in real time right now. Yeah, he's go, he's basically doing exactly the same thing he did with Comey, which is the you know the reason given, which is a valid reason for firing someone, is not the actual reason that they fired him. And Trump doesn't know how to not say that out loud. Exactly. Last like- <laughs> night, Andrew McCabe, Andrew McCabe. Uh, immediately upon announcement of his firing, gave quotes to the New York Times that basically said, I got canned because I'm going to back up what James Comey has to say about his firing in terms of obstruction of, of justice that Trump is looking at in the Russia investigation. Yes. And if Trump was smart, Trump, if he would have said anything today, would have just said we had to let Andrew McCabe go because, and he just would have parroted session statement. Right. That's, but, but, but Trump can't he help can't. himself. So here's what he said. Donald J. Trump. Andrew McCabe fired a great day for the hardworking men and women of the FBI. A great day for democracy. Sanctimonious James Comey was his boss and made McCabe look like a choir boy. He knew all about the lies and corruption going on at the highest levels of the FBI. What? <laughs> That's not the reason that they gave. No, not even it's close. It's not. It's not. So this is what Andrew McCabe had to say. I'm just going to read it because I, I don't want to. I think it's good. Okay. I think it's kind of great. Um. Okay. He said, I have been an FBI special agent for over 21 years. I spent half of that time investigating Russian organized crime as a street agent and supervisor in New York City. I spent the second half of my career focusing on national security issues and protecting this country from terrorism. I served in some of the most challenging, demanding, investigative, and leadership roles in the FBI, and I was privileged to serve as deputy director during a particularly tough time. For the last year and a half, my family and I have been targets of an unrelenting assault on our reputation and my service to this country. Articles too numerous to count have leveled every sort of false, defamatory, and degrading allegation against us. The president's tweets have amplified and exacerbated it all. He called for my firing. He called for me to be stripped of my pension after more than 20 years of service. And all along, we have said nothing, never wanting to distract from the mission of the FBI by addressing the lies told and repeated about us. No more. The investigation by the Justice Department's Office of Inspector General has to be understood in the context of the attacks on my credibility. 
That's the Mueller investigation. The investigation flows from my attempt to explain the FBI's involvement and my supervision of investigations involving Hillary Clinton. I was being portrayed in the media over and over as a political partisan accused of closing down investigations under political pressure. The FBI was portrayed as caving under that pressure and making decisions for political rather than law enforcement purposes. Nothing was further from the truth. In fact, this entire investigation stems from my efforts, fully authorized under FBI rules, to set the record straight on behalf of the Bureau and make clear that we were continuing an investigation that people in the DOJ opposed. The OIG investigation has focused on information I chose to share with a reporter through my public affairs officer and a legal counselor. As deputy director, I was one of only a few people who had the authority to do that. It was not a secret. It took place over several days, and others, including the director, were aware of the interaction with the reporter. It was the type of exchange with the media that deputy director oversees several times per week. In fact, it was the same type of work that I continued to do under director Ray at his request. The investigation subsequently focused on who I talked to and when I talked to them and so forth. During these inquiries, I answered questions truthfully and accurately as I could amidst the chaos that surrounded me. And when I thought my answers were being misunderstood, I contacted investigators to correct them. But looking at that, I in isolation completely misses the bigger picture. The big picture is a tale of what can happen when law enforcement is politicized, public servants are attacked, and people who are supposed to cherish and protect our institutions become instruments for damaging those institutions and people. Here's the reality. I am being singled out and treated this way because of the role I played, the actions I took, and the events I witnessed in the aftermath of the firing of James Comey. The release of this report was accelerated only after my testimony to the House Intelligence Committee revealed that I would corroborate former Director Comey's accounts of his discussions with the president. The OIG's focus on me and this report became a part of an unprecedented effort by the administration, driven by the president himself, to remove me from my position, destroy my reputation, and possibly strip me of a pension I worked 21 years to earn. The accelerated release of the report and the punitive actions taken in response make sense only when viewed through this lens. Thursday's comments from the White House are just the latest example of this. This attack on my credibility is one part of a larger effort not just to slander me personally, but to taint the FBI, law enforcement, and intelligence professionals more generally. It is a part of this administration's ongoing war on the FBI and the efforts of the special counsel investigation, which continue to this day. Their persistence in this campaign only highlights the importance of the special counsel's work. I've always prided myself on serving my country with distinction and integrity, and I encourage those around me to do the same. Uh, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, so well, when did this come out? Because this seems much more in depth than the statement he released last night. Um, this I just think they didn't cover the whole thing. Oh, OK. This they came out ex- excerpts 12 updated 1240 a.m. today. OK, so here's the main point, though, right? The, they ran with the IG report that, that McCabe improperly leaked something to the press and then wasn't candid about it in interviews about it. And that's why they fired him and Trump couldn't help himself, but turn around and basically back up exactly what McCabe said. No, the real reason I got fired was because I can back up what, what Comey is going to say or is, has told the special prosecutor. Well, he says the Senate Intelligence Committee, which doesn't exist. Oh, no, the Senate. House. The House Intelligence Committee, which doesn't exist anymore. But I thought McCabe mentioned the Senate Intelligence Committee. In this, he said the House. But well, this in any, was before. In any event, Trump is basically backing up what McCabe is saying, that yes. I got fired for completely bogus reasons that have nothing to do with, with the IG's report. And Sessions must be... 
just slamming his forehead into the desk again. Yes. Like, Jesus Christ. But the Can important, we stick to our story for God's exactly, sake? The important thing to note here, which he doesn't come out and exactly say, so I'm going to do it for him, <laughs> is the reason that they are that he got fired and the reason that they are um, saying bad things about him is because they want to tarnish him as a witness. They want to make it look like he's not a person to be trusted because he has dirt on right, Trump. Right. They want to make him look like... Oh, well, you know, he has all this dirt. And apparently we're just now learning that he has a shitload of memos. So Comey taught him well, um, yeah. pertaining to his entire time under this administration. So so that when he comes out and, and this information from him in Mueller's report comes out, they can turn around and say, yeah, yeah. But see, he was just disgruntled and he got fired because he was bad and corrupt and da, da, da. Right. That's the point of firing him. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, <laughs> Yeah, and and, it, and and if they were to let him retire today, then it's harder to make to turn around and make that argument. Yeah. So even though it was very transparent and it was like literally hours before he was going to retire. Yeah. Which is so transparent. Twenty six hours. Yeah. yeah. It um, has to be a firing though, because if he if he is allowed to retire, then it's, it's harder to make that argument. Then that, oh, he was say, corrupt and bad. And why he's did not to Why be did he still work there until his retirement? Then if he was yeah. so awful. Yeah. 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 So, boy, wow. Lot to unpack. Uh, like the initial reaction was, oh, this is just spiteful. And this is like, no, this is calculated and more devious than that. Yes. It's it's not spiteful. It's because it, it, it is a very singular purpose. Yes. And, you know, none of I mean, this, it is spiteful, but that's not why they did it. Right. It's not why they did it. Mm-mm. Yeah. So a lot of the pundits were getting that wrong. What they did get right, however, was the smart pundits, but even before McCabe's statement, were like, uh, this sounds much more like this is trying to discredit him mm-hmm. as a witness mm-hmm. uh, to the reasons James Comey was fired. Correct. By Trump. And the conversations that James Comey had with Donald Trump that he then went and told people. Remember, he, he said, I w- immediately reported the conversations that I was having with the president to people that worked with me. Probably McCabe is one of them. So he can say, like, yes, he asked me to shut down the investigation, you know. Comey came and told me that he had that conversation yeah. right after he had it. Well, well, Comey to this point, and he even did it today. We'll get to a, a, a tweet that James Comey just released. Yeah. Uh, Comey has been just le- like saying cryptic things and staying out of the spotlight for the most part. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to let Mueller do his job. Mm-hmm. But now, like, they are really trying to destroy the reputation and legacy of Comey and McCabe and a bunch of other people in the FBI. And I think they're thinking like, we can't wait for Mueller. Yeah. We got to do something now. And I wonder if, I I don't know that they can do this, but if the three of them might huddle and figure this out. (laughs) Um, But I, I, like you get the feeling like Comey's about to go talk to 60 minutes or hold a presser or something. Right. Don't you? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. But he, right. Just now, 33 minutes ago, James Comey said this. Mr. President, the American people will will hear my story very soon and they can judge for themselves who is honorable and who is not, which is basically like we know, you know. And that's the other thing that that is important to note that happened this week is that um, the Mueller team subpoenaed records from the Trump organization. Yes. And. You know, Trump has said, like, that's the red line. If he starts going into my money, I'm going to shut it down. And uh, so, you know, that happened. 
He went in and subpoenaed a bunch of records. And what some of the um, legal scholars I was reading were saying is it's an interesting tactic because he had not previously asked for their cooperation. He could have just gone to them and said, here's the documents I'm requesting. He didn't even do that. And with most of the White House documents, apparently they've been fairly forthcoming with handing them over. But this is the Trump organization. Yeah, this is Trump org. This is Trump org. Yeah. But he didn't want, I mean, it makes sense sense to me that he didn't want to ask voluntarily first because then they know exactly what to destroy. Right. So you subpoena them and it's legally required that you hand these documents over to me immediately. Yes. And then you can get a court order for them. Yes. Uh, And then that's what the subpoena is. And then if if you can, if they don't come up with these documents and and they're to get deleted, then that's a crime. Yeah. So it, it makes sense to do that for a lot of reasons. So it's becoming so increasingly clear that there's a massive cover up happening. And remember, let's we go back to Nixon. It wasn't the crime. It was the cover up. Right. So all this talk going back and forth about, well, it's really hard to prove collusion and it's collusion actually a crime. And how do you prove obstruction? It's like, you know, people talk about Watergate and they think it was because. Uh, Nixon knew about the break-in or ordered the break-in, like what brought Nixon down was the cover-up. Yes. And it's quite clear that a massive cover-up is is happening now. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm almost wondering if the actual, the collusion stuff is almost moot. Um, I, it's not. But it's not. And it's not just, I mean, Mueller's made it very clear, not by saying this, but by his actions, which are public because of the court process. That he's not just looking at Russia. No. He's looking at Trump. Yeah. And. Well, again, I. There's, I, I even <laughs> if he didn't collude with Russia, the guy is so goddamn dirty. There's going to be a lot that they're going to find out. Well, a well, lot. Well, again, let, let me remind you what got Clinton impeached. Um, Clinton got impeached because one special prosecutor could find nothing on Whitewater. So Republicans hired a second prosecutor to go and dig stuff up. He was finding absolutely nothing, then got a tip from somebody that he diddled an intern who who, who saved a cum-stained dress. Yes. And, and then they got Clinton to perjure himself when they blindsided him with, oh, by the way, we brought you into this uh, deposition thinking we were going to ask you more stupid whitewater questions, but did you bang your intern? And he, his reaction was just to deny it. And that got him in trouble. Well, that, because he lied. Yeah, yeah. You can he, bang your intern. That's not illegal. But he you can't himself. lie about it. No matter what the grand jury asks you, if you lie to them, yeah. that's a problem. Under oath. Under oath. I and mean, you can lie about sex anytime you want, yeah. except if you're under oath. Which is why uh, Trump is probably not going to be interviewed by Mueller because Trump it does horrible in depositions. Yeah. He says all kinds of shit he should not say. Yes. He lies. He reveals too much. Yeah. He's just a terrible, terrible, terrible witness. Yes, of course. And his lawyers know that. Yeah. So he's going to plead the, or they're going to, they're going to drag this out. Oh yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk. And like, they'll try to drag it out and can't make a deal. And then he'll either plead the fifth or just say, no, I'm not talking to Mueller, which looks really, really, really bad. But at this point, how can it look worse than what the facts are? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't even think Mueller needs him to testify to be honest well it doesn't matter but it's an important part of the process right yeah i mean he really should they really should ask him questions sure and they're going to try to sure but ultimately the facts are the facts 
the that's fa- what Comey or that's what Mueller is. The facts are the facts, and his gathering. lawyers know that him talking to to Mueller is a terrible idea. Yeah. So that goes to the second kind of big news this week about this, which is after Mueller subpoenaed documents from the Trump organization, John Dowd, is that his name? Yeah, I got confused for a second because I thought that was one of Trump's aliases when he would call <laughs> the local New York papers and talk about, how, you know, all the the starlets he was banging. And right. Stuff. I no. thought it was John Barron for a second. I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> no. Like, oh, no, no, this is a real guy. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's his lawyer. <laughs> and uh, his lawyer. His personal lawyer, not his. Yeah. It came out and said, um, uh, this we is should, last night or this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We should end the Mueller probe. We should end it. It's over. Got to end it. Why is that problematic for his personal lawyer to say that? Well, that's paramount to him saying it. Right. And him, by him <laughs> saying that means what? That's obstruction of yes, justice. Yes. You're trying to <laughs> obstruct justice. But on its face, plain and simple. So, Yeah. Yeah. And they sort of walked back and said, that's just my opinion. This <laughs> is my personal opinion that we should end them, that the Mueller investigation should be ended. And they're like, why? And he's like, I don't know. In Did he say it in purple Comic Sans font? <laughs> I tell that story. <laughs> Supposedly his emails use purple Comic Sans font. I can't. Um, I was like, what did his 12 year old daughter set up his outlook? What? But well, anyway. The president eats well done steak with ketchup. So uh, I don't know. So, yeah, the only, only the best people. Only the best. Only the best. Um, yeah, so that's problematic. So then, yeah, the other, <clears throat> going back to um, McCabe for a minute, I wanted to read John Brennan's tweet. Uh, John Brennan, uh, he's former CIA, right? Yeah, John Brennan is not my boyfriend. Nope. Uh, John Brennan has... Um, continuously tried to excuse or um, give credence to the notion that torture is okay. Yes. That it's legal. Useful and, and effective and so morally I, I, right. This, this is not my buddy, Brennan. No, I hate him. But this I thought was extraordinary because somebody like Brennan, we're so used to being on the other side from because I don't want torture and war. Can I jump in for something for a second before yeah. you get to this? Like, not enough pundits are are bringing the reality forward that it, it, if the intelli- if the people the the run of the mill people that work in the intelligence agencies are as apolitical as they can be, ultimately they have as American citizens the right to be political and vote and belong to parties, and the overwhelming majority of them are Republicans. Yes, and they are Republicans because. <sighs> Republicans typically give them unfettered access and get them off the hook when they do things like torture and do renditions to black sites and do things that skirt the law. Yeah, and they're much better funded. Yes. Republicans don't care about privacy. um, Well, until now. Until now. um, For the most part. Because the world's upside down. But historically, they don't care about privacy. Right. It makes sense that they would be Republicans. Now, Trump and- And they fund them really well. And the right-wing media have tried to turn that on his head and said they're all flaming liberal Democrats. No, they're not. They are not. No. Cabe himself is a Republican. His wife is a Democrat, which is interesting, but not unheard of. Yes. Now, you know, uh, Mueller, lifelong Republican. Yep. Big Republican. Comey. Comey, lifelong Republican. These people are Republicans. I've been on the other side of the aisle from 
the intelligence agencies my entire life because I believe in privacy and I believe in citizens' rights and I believe in human rights and and uh, and and so I don't agree with them typically, but in the upside down. We these are tools <laughs> of the democratic <clears throat> establishment. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, John Brennan, who, you know, in a different in a normal world, I would be um, yeah, he had fighting. An, he against, had an explosive quote this morning. He tweeted the following night. after Trump uh, tweeted that shit about Comey and McCabe. Quote, when the full extent of your venality, moral turpitude and political corruption becomes known, you will take your rightful place as a disgraced demagogue in the dustbin of history. You may scapegoat Andy McCabe, but you will not destroy America. America will triumph over you. (laughs) I hope he's right, but I don't know, man. Uh, That's an extraordinary thing for John Brennan to say about our Republican president. It's an extraordinary thing that these lifelong people that work in intelligence usually do are not this opinionated on this kind of stuff or very rarely have had enough and they just can't take it anymore. They can't take Trump and and this is not a normal Republican president and they, they know it, they see it and they're like, it's not a normal president period. No matter what party he's, he's from. It's not a normal presidency. It's not. And they know it and they see it and they can't take it. It doesn't matter what party he's a part of or the head of it's enough. It's, it's dangerous. Uh, they have to go if they're going to make a difference though. And they want to supersede Mueller. See, Mueller is, is probably a little frustrated by this and you know, he, he doesn't want these things to leak before he announces them. Right. Uh, I can't read the guy's mind, but if, if McCabe and Comey at all are very tempted to finally go on the record and spill a lot of horribly damaging things to the president to weaken him so much or maybe force him out even before Mueller shows his hand. Uh, I don't think Mueller necessarily wants that, but I think they also might be thinking like we're at zero hour here. He's about to do a big Saturday night massacre, try to totally purge the intelligence agencies and, and put puppets in their place and, you know, enact the complete coup. Right. So, right. So we may not have time. We may not have time. So we are really at a crazy dangerous juncture here in, in the state of our Republic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I I have to remind everybody of something out there. Like if you're in the bubble that we're in and you listen to us and you watch MSNBC and you see all these, you see the Steve Schmitz and Nicole Wallace's of the worlds and then read the quotes from the Comey's and the Brennan's, you think, well, Trump is completely isolated in some ways. Yes. But remember, we're, we're a highly partisan polarized country and the overwhelming vast majority of people who call themselves conservative Republicans still believe and support this guy. Yeah. He hasn't lost them. Yeah. The Republican base is all in with being a Russian puppet state and with having a lunatic, dullard, stupid band run the country. That's fine with them. They're yeah. fine with it. Yeah. So no, it is not the despot with the rest of the country ready to have the, the guillotine fall on him figuratively. No. No. Right. No, we are. In- I mean, we just won that special election in Pennsylvania and everyone's like, oh, it's such a referendum on Trump. And I'm like, by 500 votes. Yeah. Which and it means was 50% bit- of the people voted for the other guy. Yeah. So we're not like. No. In the clear here. <laughs> not, not by any, any means. Like this is a dangerous time. And yeah, it is. You know, a lot of people, I'm reading a lot on Twitter today, like, oh, he's going to try to drop the axe on Mueller. Everybody get ready to march. I'm like, we need to do so much more than march. Oh, no, yeah, no. It's way past marching and signing petitions. That's not, 
that's not the kind of direct political action that is required. Now, sure, um, <clears throat> massive numbers of people taking to the street helps with the optics a little bit. Sure. And helps if it helps to push the fucking people in charge of Congress who have the power to do something about this. If it puts enough pressure on them, then that's a good thing. Yeah. But ultimately, somebody has to do something. Yeah. So we have to make them do it. Yeah. And it's not going to be Ryan or McConnell. They're all in. They're all in with this. They are all in with the destruction of the Republic to preserve their party and their and their power. What scares the shit out of me is that they know that we're going to take over the government in November. Mm-hmm. So they know. Well, pro- well, only one chamber. I'm not uh, I'm not convinced the Senate is going to turn. You mean the House? No, I think we're going to win back the House. I don't know about the Senate. I disagree. Um, the House is so much harder because it's so gerrymandered. But there are so many, so many seats in play. The well, Senate, all of them are, are in the play. The Senate, all of them, are not that many. I keep having to remind everybody of this. And, and every even, single seat in the House is up for re-election every two years. Yes, every single but, one. But like 120 are com- are going to be actually competitive. Right now, on the Senate side. Even some of the Democratic um, incumbents are on kind of shaky ground. I don't know. I, I think the Senate is going to be a much tougher haul than the House. I, I really don't. do. I don't. But it's fine. I mean, I think we're going to take them both, to be honest. <clears throat> and I think they know that. And I think even if we just take one, the House or the Senate, they understand that um, that, that it's over, Right. And once November happens and the blue wave comes, it's over for them. It's done. So this is a really dangerous time for this country between now and November, Mm -hmm. because I feel like they're going to think they need to get the. They need to do whatever they have to do before then, as do the Russians, who now we know have access to elements of our voting system. Yeah. But don't you think like this is a scary time? Because once November happens and we take back even one chamber of government, the whole building comes down. It could. We impeach everybody. <laughs> we right? So we, we launch the real investigations. We got to have the coup before then. We got to make it so that it's it's a, a, a feckless, ineffective banana republic. Because once the Democrats take over, it's over. Paul Ryan needs to see polls where he's actually in trouble. Yeah. He has to see those. Yeah. Unless he's just ready to bail out. Unless he's just like, oh, I'm ready to go. Maybe. Uh, and a lot of them are retiring for this reason. Because yeah, they don't want to be they don't want to be a part of this once we take back control. They know that the the momentum of this country is on the side of the Democrats and everyone's very frustrated and very nervous. And as soon as we take one chamber or both, it's done. Well, that's where things get scary and dangerous, right? Yes. And this is why John Kelly, I think, kept his job. I think Trump is crazy enough that he wanted to give Kelly the heave-ho just because he was in a manic state. But John Kelly said, hey, man, you need me. Yep. I'm the face of the military. Yep. And the shit that's going to happen between now and November, you need me. Yep. It's one thing if you want to if you want to toss McMaster out, but you better have a military guy that the rest of the military brass respects and will listen to at your side. You don't want to give that up. Yep. And Trump is like, shit, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Military doesn't respect him one bit. Commander in chief or not. But I mean, some, some do, but ultimately, you know, how crazy do you get? I mean, Nixon was flirting with the idea of taking it as far as he could go to preserve power. Now he never went that far. That's right. But, 
Would so Trump? what do we know from history? We know from history that when you're trying to instill an authoritarian government in a, in a government that was previously a democracy, whether it be a republic or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. What's typically what happens first? Um, you install the despot, right? First, the demagogue, the sure, guy. Right. But then there needs to be an inciting incident. Something needs yes. to happen. Yeah. Something needs to be made to happen. A big terrorist attack. A big terrorist or... attack. You know, in in Nazi Germany, it was what? The fire. Well, there was a couple things. The fire at the Reichstag. And then there was also a bogus uh, attack that they claimed was from Poland. Yeah. There, there were a couple things. And what the purpose of that is, is twofold. One is to... Bring the country together, right? Mm-hmm. After a giant tragedy. Bring the country together, have a common enemy, right? And number two, declare a state of emergency. Look, we're under attack. We need to declare a state of emergency. And the state of emergency means that we're going to suspend the Constitution temporarily so that we can consolidate power. So that, And the idea behind this is not to have an authoritarian regime, but it's been used that way. The idea is... We need a couple of people making decisions really quickly. We can't wait for the bureaucratic process to go through. It's it's the way in practice, yeah. states of emergency allow for authoritarian governments to be instilled because you say we're going to suspend the constitution temporarily and we're gonna we're gonna get through this. It's what George Lucas tried to do to explain how the evil galactic empire took over the galaxy. Correct. He did it terribly and with it not making any sense, but th- that might have been interesting had he done it correctly. Right. But this is this is a thing that I studied in modern political theory. Yeah. Um The State of Exception by Agamben is ex- is a great book and then um it it goes into the state of exception when you enter the state of exception what that means is you enter into a place where you constitutionally dismantled the constitution and it's this odd political theory it's a very heavy thick book but it's it's fascinating but it's used in order that this is how it's often been used by authoritarian regimes Mm -hmm. you make something happen you declare a state of emergency and then you never give the constitution back. Right. You never go, oh, never mind. Okay, now you now we can have a democracy again. You take all the power, you consolidate it, you dismantle the institutions, and then you never give them back. And to be <laughs> fair, during the Civil War, that's a bit of what Lincoln did. Yeah. That was to preserve the Union. Yes, uh, he did. You know, and, and he a did. lot of libertarian types and Southerners are still pissed about that. Yeah. But I won't get into that for the moment. No, that's really interesting, though. If you don't know about that story, you should yeah, read it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, he wasn't perfect, but he did preserve the union. <laughs> yeah. And now we have a president who is trying to rip it apart. So anyway, I'm not trying to be hysterical. I'm just saying it feels to me like with Mueller closing in and with all of this chaos, uh, and with the election in November coming up and the very real possibility that Democrats will take over, I think it's a dangerous time and we should all be on guard. Yep. Um, so there there was talk of, well, okay, so they where did they want to move Pruitt into? Did they want to move Pruitt to chief of staff or? I don't know. If they got rid of Kelly, Pruitt was in line possibly for some promotion he didn't deserve or some movement out of EPA. Ben Carson is in trouble. Um, for no reason. 
Ben Carson? No, for a good reason. Well, I read this thing that said there's an email from his like handler to the people who set up the offices for the cabinet members. Uh-huh. And the email says, it, we're just waiting to hear back from him on this decision about this furniture, that furniture. And then it says, um, Mr. Carson had a question of whether all of this money has to go toward furniture, because if not, he'd like to use some of it to hang pictures of the missing secretaries in his office, because he's got a couple of the cabinet members have pictures in his office, but he doesn't have all of them, and he wants all of them. Okay. So the media made a really big deal about this $31,000 dining room set, which is ridiculous, <laughs> but apparently everybody gets a budget to decorate their office, and he was using it, and then he lied about it for no reason. <laughs> He lied about it. He's like, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't know it cost that much money. I didn't make any decisions. I didn't pick it out. And you're like, no, you did because you were decorating your office with your budget. Uh, they, Why lie people about just, it? They're just compulsive liars. Why lie just about it? can't help themselves. Anyway, so Carson could be in trouble. It turns out Steve Mnuchin has taken millions of dollars in military jets when he could have just flown commercial mm-hmm. like everybody else used mm-hmm. to do. Um, Ryan Zinke has been doing the same bullshit. The, the grifts of these assholes that were supposed to drain the swamp is just unbelievable and it never yes. stops. Yes. Um, and a TV personality has been selected to replace Gary Cohn as chief economic God. advisor. Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow of, of the CNBC. Kudlow Report. Uh, it's funny. It's trash. It, it's funny watching MSNBC tread very lightly on that because he's their buddy and he works for their network. Or he did. Yeah. So they can't totally trash him. Except that I was looking him up because I obviously do not watch his program. Why would I do that? He's a fucking buffoon. Well, he's not stupid. He's just a TV personality. Well, he's just a he's just a, a supply side trickle down hack. Yeah. He's wrong. Like there's a report came out, I think it was Politico. Um that just said the history of Larry Kudlow being wrong about everything about economics for the last twenty years. Every time he said anything, any kind of forecast, any kind of anything, he's been wrong. And sometimes Every laughably single wrong. Time. In the Every middle time. of the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, he was still talking about how great the economy was. Yeah, before the, he, he beforehand, um, and my mom was even on board with this. She was like, everybody's being so hysterical about the economy. Nothing's going to happen. Everything's fine. <laughs> I work in the mortgage industry and everything's fine. Nothing's going to happen. And he said oh, the same boy. thing. Everybody's being hysterical. The economy's great. The Bush economy's great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Great recession happened. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's because Obama. And then <laughs> Obama's going to cause the greatest inflation we've ever seen since right. this and that. That didn't happen. Obviously. He was He's just wrong. He's consistently wrong. And the reason he's wrong is because, as our list will tell you, he just is factually incorrect. Like his belief in this economic system has been proven to not be accurate, but he can't get over it. So this supply side trickle down bullshit, he'll always be wrong. Yeah. And now he is the White House economic advisor. <laughs> Great. Great. We if we had listened to him ever, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know. What, but I, he says nice things about Trump on TV, so he yeah, got the job. Correct. So I, 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 you know, why doesn't Trump just go ahead, fire everybody who's a career politician and just install all the Fox News personalities? I, I, mean, I mean, granted, most of them probably wouldn't be interested because they make way more money working at Fox. <laughs> but like you think Sean Hannity wants to take a 98 percent pay cut no. to work in the White House? No. no. So like, you know, um, he already works in the White House. He's their spokesperson. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And he gets the big Fox paychecks. Uh-huh. But, you know, it is scary and laughable and all the things at the same time. Yeah. Larry fucking Kudlow. Now, the one thing that is interesting about Kudlow 
is that Cudlow essentially wants TPP not named TPP. At the very least, Cudlow does recognize that uh, if we don't do some things to sort of counter China's growing economic influence, that we can be swamped by them, which he is correct about. But we've resisted that because trade partnerships are bad because something, something in the heartland. Yeah. Which Bernie is also really into. Yeah. Which is is we, we should talk to Arliss about that some more, too. Yes. But it, that is bad, naive economic policy. Yes, there are bad trade deals and yes. there are trade deals that can be done better. Yes. But to to isolate and say we we should just abandon, you know, the world trading stage. It's naive and stupid and careless and, and dangerous and unrealistic. Yeah. And yep. But that's where we are because quote populism. <laughs> right. Populism. Yeah. So we got just a couple minutes left. Uh, we've co- we covered quite a bit. We did we pretty good. We didn't get to everything. Yeah. I'm sure we're forgetting some really important things that happened. Like giant stories that were big for five minutes. Well, the UK has now uh, kicked out a bunch of Russian diplomats over the uh, poisoning of the former Russian spy who was living in the UK. Him and his daughter and a British policeman and I think a few others got very sick from this nerve agent that is only manufactured in Russia and used by the Russian government. Correct. Which at first, the Trump administration was, they kind of went with the old, I don't know if it's Russia, it could be the 400 pound guy again. Uh, But then they they were forced to kind of turn around and say, oh yeah, I guess Russia did this and it's pretty bad, huh? Yeah. So uh, Russia is responding by expelling all the the UK diplomats and, you know. Because the UK expelled all theirs, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. now they're warning the US and uh, Putin is trying to crack the whip on Trump. And Trump, they've got, we know they've got a lot of dirt on Trump. So he finally has imposed some of the sanctions, although a lot of them were very lightweight and a lot of them were just repeating exactly what Mueller said in his indictment from a couple of weeks ago of the Russian nationals, which is really funny when they've spent all this time saying that the Mueller investigation is bogus. Yeah. So, uh, it just, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, yeah. Good Crazy. luck making sense of it. Yeah. I think, you know, if if it wasn't that specific nerve agent that was developed by the Russians and is only made in Russia, mm-hmm. um, I think we would be in a different place. But it's just too what what do you say? I mean, it's obviously the Russians. It was obvious even if it wasn't that. But when the facts are so glaringly staring you in the face, I feel like, you know, that's. Like, okay, fine, it's the Russians. <laughs> and Putin, liter- yeah. Putin literally said, hey, it could have been the Jews. Oh, my God. Like, what? Like, what he was trying to say was it could have been Israel. Um, and the alt-right has kind of jumped on that. And uh, Trump didn't go that far. He may have thought about it for a second. But he wasn't about to burn uh, Bibi uh, right. like that. Right. And, and lose him. Right. So... Uh, Netanyahu is also who's is, could be in huge trouble in his own country for corruption. Um, but yeah, um, surprise me. Yeah, so that's where we are. Things are heating up with Russia because when you give them free reign and you know don't and show you don't have the will to to uh, oppose them, they will do shit like this. I also think very highly they were sending a message to people that are caught up in the Mueller probe. And you cross yeah. us, yeah. this is what can happen. Yes, yes. Attention, Manafort, Page, Felix Sater, who was just on TV trying to sell uh, 78 Oldsmobiles with no brakes. Um, you know, <laughs> heads up. Yep. We are still very capable and willing to do this. We still really like poison, by the way. 
just in case you forgot or you thought we didn't do that anymore. We do. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I do, I guess, for local politics. Um, I know in Colorado things are heating up um, in terms of our local races for state house and state senate and governor and treasurer. Um, today is assembly. So if anybody who was a delegate or an alternate is at assembly right now deciding who goes on the primary ballot for the Democratic Party for a lot of these races. Um, I think that that's probably happening in your area as well sometime soon or may have already happened. Try to get involved with that stuff. Figure out who you like. Campaign for them. Knock doors for them. Figure Let's out get some a good, good, good candidate. Get some good people on the ballot. Let's decide that's how you win. who's really good and let's get them fucking elected. Okay, so that's going to do it for us. we got to do a Colorado Minute for K-Girl one of these days when we have time, which is never. <laughs> so stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Talk to you next week. Looking back on the past where we still had a chance We were pawns in a game that we could not win Now we're alone, just a pick and stone We're dreaming of a future when our ship comes in